Chapter 2. The Palace What she saw was entrancing. It was unique and different from anything she had seen before. She heard the thud of the door as it closed behind her, and what sounded like bolts fastening. A cold sensation on her nose awakened her from her trance. She looked up to see snowflakes falling from the ceiling. Snowing? We are inside, she thought. Widening her eyes, she saw the main dance room which she'd visited many times, but now it was different. It was larger and filled with people she didn't recognise. They all wore fancy dress, and some were dressed like animals. The dance floor had been lowered, and they were raised above it. A carpeted walkway encircled the focal point where the dancing was taking place. She looked to her left, and in the distance saw two bars, separated by a staircase, leading to a raised VIP area. In the past it had always been empty. Now it was full. Scantily dressed women and eccentric Victorian dressed men, plus a real tiger, made up part of the bemusing crowd high above the room. Untroubled by the snow, a butterfly landed on her hand. She squinted to see it better, and she did. Two circles of glass sharpened her vision. A passing man had stopped and placed spectacles over her nose. He said, These will help you see her better. He added, Yes, that's Jane. She's a regular here. An absolute nectar guzzler. Never a moment is she flying straight. Only because you're buying me shots all night, hoping you can take me home, said the butterfly, still perched on Katie's hand. Katie looked once again and noticed that it wasn't a butterfly at all, but a small lady with wings attached to her. A fairy, Katie shouted. No, I'm not a fairy. I am human. I'm just small and I happen to fly. No, you're a fairy, said the man. Katie looked through her thick-lensed spectacles at the man. His white jacket was reflective with a waistcoat and trousers to match. Hello, lady. What is your name? He said, sticking his hand out for Katie to shake. She accepted it. Tell me yours first, Katie said in an upbeat manner. I am Captain Cash. So, Captain, what do you, Captain? I captain this place he said in an excitable, high-pitched manner. Does that mean you also captain me? Katie was easing into her new surroundings. For her own amusement, she was playfully testing him, while at the same time getting a fast read on her new conversationalist. This was something she had become very skilled at doing. Captain Cash went so red in the face that his head brightly contrasted his whole outfit. Katie knew instantly that she was quite innocent and not a threat. It's okay, Captain. I am unsaleable. Jane contributed straight after this and said, Don't be fooled by his shyness. He's not shy at the end of the night. Jane, stop making me out to be a pest, said Captain Cash. You're blocking me from speaking to this fine girl. Katie scrunched her face up and said, She's not blocking you at all. If I wish to talk, I shall. And thanks, Jane, for that vital information. I am an innocent girl after all. I don't want to be taken advantage of. Ha, ha, ha. Rath couldn't contain his laughter, but was silenced by Katie's glare. Captain went so red that sweat poured down his face. He needed an escape. Well, there, my lady. I have pressing matters to attend in the VIP. The tiger is hungry and we can't have that now, can we? It would definitely spoil the party. Captain Cash left, leaving Jane studying Katie. Jane said, I haven't seen you here before. You are definitely not a regular. I am new here. I've just arrived and am taking it all in. A 
arrived from where? Wraith interrupted. She's arrived from Earth. Earth? Jane exclaimed in a bemused manner. We don't get many visitors from there. Well, not for long anyway. Wraith spoke once more. Yes, Katie is quite special. She's here to stay. Well, just for a little while. Jane looked pleased with these comments. You know, Katie, sometimes you can just tell when you like someone, and I think I'm going to like you very much. Do you want a shot? A shot? asked Katie. Yes, a shot. I can't carry much else, so I've become a connoisseur of them. Also, I get served first as I am small, and I can fly to the front of the queue. Yes, I would like one, thank you. Do they do tequila? What's tequila? asked Jane, confused but intrigued. It's alcohol, you know. You normally drink them and then lick salt and bite a lemon straight afterwards. Why would anyone want to do that? It sounds horrible. No, it's not alcohol. They do provide that, but it's only for the men of the sea. The shots are made of nectar from flowers, and the one I'm going to get you is from the wild red berry flower. Sounds great. I will have one, please. Jane looked very pleased and immediately took flight from Katie's hand. Katie felt the intermittent sensation from Jane's wings. It tickled, and Katie gave out a little giggle. Wraith turned to her and just couldn't wait to explain where she was. She was getting used to the idea that Wraith loved explaining things. Katie, this is the festival. This is the party. In here you will experience the spirit, joy, happiness, adventure, escapism and expression. Katie interrupted. Where do these people come from? The interruption surprised him, but he liked it. He liked it that Katie was inquisitive and didn't mind saying what was on her mind. They live in this palace. They live here. And what do they do? What do you mean? What do they do during the day for work? Wraith looked puzzled. They sleep, and then they party. Katie paused. But how does the palace function? People must have to work and things must be done. You sound like a bureaucrat. A bureaucrat? Yes, they come from another land far away from the palace. They are constantly trying to capture us and stop us from partying. They want to enslave us. How would they enslave you? They want us to work for them. Does that mean there will be a war? No, they're not so aggressive. They prefer to do things by pen and paper. We already must work one day a month. It's terrible. Our king is the weakest king we've had, and he's not brave enough to stand up to them. Many of us fear one day we shall work more often than not. That sounds terrible. In what world does that happen? I know. I've seen your world, Katie. I'm sure your people and king have won all the battles against such bureaucrats. No, Wraith, we've lost. We definitely work more than we party, although I'm one of the few who parties more than she works, Katie said gleefully. How have you managed that? We must share this secret with others. Well, I've kept my overheads low. I'm a student, so no one tells me when to work, and my partying lifestyle is fully paid for. By whom? Men. Oh, I see. You are sponsored. Why? Well, most men who pay for me don't have to work. Their parents pay for them, and they pay for me because they want my attention. So these men pay for your attention? Yes. How strange. I'm getting your attention now. Am I to be charged? <laughs> no, Wraith, 
This is on the house. Such a strange world you come from. I have seen this happen. I just thought it was a cultural formality built into your genetic fabric from birth. Yes, Wraith, throughout centuries men have been chasing women, and women loved to be chased. I have learnt to enjoy being chased. What happens if they catch you? said Wraith, doubtfully. Katie suddenly snapped out of the flow of the conversation and asked, What's with the outfit, Wraith? It's my dress. Are you a warrior? Yes. When I'm not at the party, I am training. Would you say that is your work? Work? No, I enjoy it. To me it is the same as the party. It's work, but you enjoy it. I haven't really thought of it that way, but I guess you are right. Have you ever had to kick ass? By that you mean battle, yes, but very rarely. I prefer to use diplomacy, but on occasion I battle monster polar bears that try to break into the palace. Polar bears? I really like the sound of this place, said Katie. You wouldn't think that if you had sent them away. Great fierce animals they are. Katie began to look around the room once more. She could see the queues in the bars were very busy, and many hustled and bustled around them. Jane returned and hovered at Wraith and Katie's eye level. She carried in both hands a glowing red shot of red berry nectar. Katie said, Thanks, Jane. That's very sweet of you. It looks lovely. Wait until you drink it. It'll knock your socks off. Katie removed the shot from Jane's grasp, and Jane instantly flew a little higher. Her wings were straining under its weight. Phew! she said. I don't normally have to carry them that far. Katie opened her mouth, and in one go she swallowed it. Smoke blew out of her nose, and she felt the strong kickback from it. The drink made the whole of her body tingle. She felt for a moment that she could fly, and then she felt wide awake and excited. Gosh, Jane, what was that? That was my favourite. You will only need one, and you will probably feel sick. I have so much energy and I feel great. I want to dance. Wraith, let's dance. Wraith shook his head and said, I don't dance. That is ridiculous. You can't come from such a land and not dance. That's not the purpose of my role. I am a protector. I never indulge in play, and I must protect you and the palace. Katie, frustrated, said, I don't think any polar bears are coming in here now. It's not just the polar bears. I have to spot potential troublemakers, and I must protect you, Katie. Nonsense. Look here, karate boy. I'm more than capable of looking after myself. That's not entirely true, is it, Katie? Why are you here in the first place? Katie screwed up her face and frowned at him. She had almost forgotten about that. The atmosphere and party had taken her over, and all she wanted to do was join in. Here, take this, she said, and she thrust the timer into Wraith's hands. If you won't dance with me, I shall find someone who will. That would make me happy, Katie. Make sure you pick wisely. There are difficult people here. I would hate for you to have a bad time. I shall watch you. Katie quickly scanned the room. She was furious that Wraith had said no to dancing with her. She didn't take rejection well. She was very good at hiding her feelings. On the outside, she wasn't showing her angry and hurt emotions. She saw a man dressed like no other. He was wearing a scuffy brown shirt and quite obviously had holes in, but had covered them up with patches. He wore a black silk bandana with a full face of stubble and an earring, blue jeans and a pair of boots. 
dark, greasy hair crept out from under his bandana, which was contrasted by a pair of striking blue eyes. A bad boy, Katie thought. Her rebellious side took over. She marched over to him, leaving Wraith standing by the balcony overlooking the dance floor. She walked right up to the man and looked up at him, which was unusual for Katie. She was five foot ten and much taller with heels. Hi, I'm Katie. The man looked unfazed and replied, Hi, I'm Alec the fisherman. He didn't even look at her. He was looking into the bottom of his glass. I'm not in there. I'm here, she exclaimed. He looked up from his empty glass and said, It's a shame I just got that, and it's gone. It's surprising how quickly a glass of wine can go. That's because you never had one. It's a pint in your hand. Oh, he said. I must have had that two pints ago. Anyway, how can I help a fine woman like you? I would like a dance with you, mister. Um, I don't really dance, he replied. Not another one, Katie exclaimed. What's wrong with the men here? But for you, lady, it will be my pleasure. With that, he started to walk away from her and towards the bar. Katie had enough and grabbed his hand. She knew Wraith was watching and failure was not an option. Come on, let's go fishing. I'm sure you want to catch a woman. She dragged him down the few steps to the dance floor and found a space by the entrance. The dance floor was filled with people and animals. Some of the women were wearing huge frocks, while others wore strange leotards. Some men were dressed in fine suits and others in strange intergalactic outfits. Such a diverse bunch, Katie thought. She looked at her fisherman and said, You look more like a pirate than a fisherman. He replied, I was going for that. I have heard that women love it. Who told you that? The talking toad up there. What? The one speaking to Jane the fairy? Um, yeah. I wouldn't listen to the toad if I were you. It wasn't so long ago he was a tadpole. Listen to me. Which one? There seems to be two of you now. You're drunk, aren't you? Yep. It takes me ages to talk to girls. So I drink, and then by the time I'm ready, I can't speak or dance. The frocks worn by the women were taking up far too much space. They were also wearing fake wigs, which were very large. There were groups of heavily dressed ladies dancing around their handbags, piled up like one metre high totem poles. Fisherman, Katie said to Alec. Alec replied, I'm not an object. Alec, she said, correcting herself. I'm going to show you a trick about how to capture a woman's attention, and it doesn't even involve speaking. Brilliant, said Alec. First, find a space which is empty. Everybody always wants to bunch in the centre, especially men. Then you must own your own space and dance with confidence and make it playful. Alec looked around and spotted in the corner of the dance floor was a big open space. He walked right into the middle of it and stared at Katie. Nerves and fear instantly descended on him. He felt singled out. Before he had even begun to dance, he'd made a fast exit. As he passed Katie, he felt her strong grip on his arm. She tucked it, and he did a full twirl. No, you've got to at least try, she said. Trust me, Alec, this will work. Alec was too drunk to put together a reasoned defence, so he just did what he was told, and reported back to the space. Dance, commanded Katie, clapping her hands as she said it. When he heard the clap, his shoulders started moving. His stare was intense, and it seemed that every movement he did missed every beat to Disco Inferno by the tramps. 
Katie faced Alec and moved her hips and shook her head in synchronicity with the beat. She said, Look, copy me. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Alec started to copy her, and after two songs he had it. We Are Family by Sister Sledge was the next song, and Alec nailed it. He was a grooving machine. You need to try and smile, Katie told him. You look like a psychopath. Smile! I'm concentrating. Try and enjoy it, she shouted and laughed over the music. A smile lit up Alec's face and he started to put twirls into his routine. Encouragingly, Katie said, Now don't look at any girls. Go into your zone and dance. After a song or two, out of nowhere, a few girls had appeared dancing on the peripherals of Alec's reach. A girl dressed in a pink leotard walked past him and he grabbed her arm. Katie cringed. The girl felt her arm being gripped and she instantly pulled it free and gave Alec a strong, disgusted stare. No, not the creepy grab. That never works, shouted Katie. Having seen what had just happened, the girls who were dancing nearby all vanished. Ah, start again, shouted Katie. They began once more. Alec, show me a move. What move? Any move. Make one up, said Katie. So Alec thought hard and then pulled out an actual fishing rod, tilted it back and cast it towards Katie. The hook embedded into Katie's top and he started to reel her in. She burst into laughter. I've never seen that done for real before. Next time, keep the rod tucked away. They danced for a while and more girls started appearing on the periphery. Okay, Alec, here's the plan. Girls love attention, so you have to ration it. Don't overdo it, and don't give it all to just one. Make sure there is a little competition. How do I do that? he asked. Give them fleeting stares and looks. Sometimes wiggle your hips and be playful, but not too much, or for too long. Alec did what he was told, and before he knew it, he had dozens of girls dancing around him. He was overwhelmed. He was a lonely fisherman who hid himself at sea. When on land, he drank loads. Now the attention from girls was inundating him. What now, Katie? Now, Alec, it's fishing time. You pick the best fish and reel her in. Alex did a few spins and then he spotted his queen. She was dressed in a silver dress and was holding a large spear with three forks, a trident. Her hair was long and auburn. Her chest was squeezed into a tight corset. She looked elegant and ladylike. Alec would have never been able to meet such a girl in his normal life, nor would she have noticed him. Now the lady was dancing near and in competition for his attention. Katie, I like that one. Right. All girls like to be admired. Let her dance for you. When you dance, turn to her and smile, and then wait patiently for her to work her stuff. Alec followed Katie's instruction to the T. The lady stepped away from the group, and in her own space, she began bending and moving her body. Each time she moved, she gave Alec little smiles and looks of seduction. Alec moved closer to her, but did not touch. He was a fast learner. He would wait till she touched him. Alec looked to the ceiling to act like he was taking his attention away. As he did so, the lady came closer, made eye contact and gestured for him to dance. He gladly accepted. Katie felt very pleased with herself. She had known how powerful this strategy was because she had fallen for it herself many times. After a few songs of dancing, the lady rejoined her group. But after, she had kissed the fisherman on the cheek. Wow, Katie, that was amazing. You are a genius. Who would have thought that dancing on your own and ignoring women actually attracts them? As I felt like I was patiently fishing, 
I shall call this the fishnet. Katie admired her work, but not for too long, as she felt a firm, strong hand on her shoulder. Wraith looked into Katie's deep brown eyes and said, We have to move things on. Time is of great importance. Her eyes rolled back. But we are having so much fun. I love this place. I know you do, and that you love a party, but we need to move on to our purpose. Over there on the stage is the king. The king has lost his confidence, and he no longer dreams of the future. He can't lead himself, which means he can't lead his people. Things seem to be going fine. This place is amazing. He is being very royal to me. It's temporary, Katie. He has had the palace in a constant state of partying for months, and the bureaucrats want to see an end to it. He's not brave or imaginative enough to keep them at bay. And what do you want me to do about it? We need to travel to a land which has the secret of keeping the party alive. There we shall find an object which will show the king his potential and his capability. Once he sees that, his belief will come back. And what's in it for me? Katie, you will be able to see your potential too, and once you can see it, you will wake up and return back to your world. I know my potential. What is that? To rave forever, Katie said with uncontrollable laughter. Wraith just looked annoyed and frustrated. Catherine, this is not a laughing matter. And with that, he thrust forward the timer. You don't have the time for it. Stop calling me Catherine. You sound like my dad. Wraith sighed. Look, we just need to focus and not get distracted. I don't want to see you go somewhere other than your world. It's very important to me that you return. Why? Why do you care so much? Katie, I care very much, and in time you will know that. But there is no time to explain. Look over there. He's sitting on the throne. The guy in the robe stroking a rabbit. Yes. She laughed. He looks more like a timid librarian than a king. Exactly. The last king, his dad, was a mighty man who used to stroke a pet tiger. His son is petrified of the tiger, so now he strokes James the rabbit. James the rabbit? Yes. He's a shapeshifter. We struck a deal with him to stop the king from having a nervous breakdown. The dance floor was still hustling and bustling with eager dancers, all intoxicated by flower nectar. The DJ was perched high in a turreted tower made of thick bricks, which was unusual as they were inside. Underneath the turreted tower sat the king. His throne was made from crystal and reflected all the flashing lights of the party. His robe was long and had pin-on badges around the collar. His hair was short and he wore square glasses. He sat slumped on his chair, stroking James's ears back. The rabbit didn't look relaxed, but poised. Animals can tell when a person is anxious. Next to him was a queen, who sat bolt upright in a white silk dress. Her waist was slim, and she had long curly blonde hair, which Katie guessed was probably permed, down to her shoulders. Katie looked at the pair and assessed them. She wasn't impressed. Katie wasn't impressed by many people, so it wasn't surprising that a king or queen were going to make a difference. "'What now? Where do we go?' Katie asked, impatiently. Now she had been lectured and had resigned herself to no more partying, she just wanted to go. "'We can't go unless the king grants us VIP passes to leave,' said Wraith. "'We need them to go backstage to exit the castle.' "'Why can't we go out the front?' "'The land we seek is not in that direction, and there are too many polar bears blocking our exit. 
We must leave through the secret tunnel which runs through the old part of the palace. Right, let's go and get these passes. Wraith nodded, looked straight ahead and began to walk towards the king. Katie followed behind. They sidestepped, ducked and slipped through the crowd to reach the stage. They peered up as their heads could see over the raised stage. The king and queen peered back at them. The king seemed intrigued by Katie, whilst the queen appeared hostile. A guard left the king's side and walked over to the edge of the stage and said, Move away from the stage, please. The king is expecting us, said Wraith. What's your name and what party are you with? We are not with one, but it's important that I speak with him. I have a very special guest. I'm sorry, but if you don't have a table, you can't speak to him. Look, we just don't have time for this. Just say Wraith is here and that I need to speak to him. The guard went back to the king and whispered in his ear. The king waved his hand dismissively. The guard walked over and said, You need to wait. Wraith was furious. You should let me handle this, said Katie. This is easy for me. She stepped into the king's direct line of vision and gave him an intense stare. Once she had locked eye contact, she tilted her head to the side and gave him a smile. James the rabbit jumped from the king's lap. His ears had been pulled too tight. The king grew a big smile, which matched Katie's, and stretched across his whole face. His glasses began to steam up. The queen instantly spotted this and slapped his arm. I knew you preferred brunettes. The king suddenly realised he was being read like a book. Wraith shouted. They can read your mind. Empty it. The king suddenly composed himself, and the queen arose from her crystal chair and placed her white-heeled shoes on the dark marble surface. She stood up straight and let her hair fall to its shoulder height. The queen's fierce blue eyes were piercing, and Katie knew that this was going to be a mental battle. The queen walked slowly towards her. Her crystal shoes made metallic clicks as she walked. She manipulated time by gracefully walking slowly. Katie matched her posture, but folded her arms, crossed her legs and gave her a supercilious stare back. The queen reached the end of the stage and tilted her head down towards Katie. Who are you who tries to capture the attention of the king, my husband? The king squeaked from his throne. Uh, boyfriend, we're not married yet. The queen ignored the interruption and continued. I've never seen you before, and you want to come onto the stage? I bet you weren't even invited to this party, were you? You are right. What do I call you? My lady, Jane, Sally, Cayley? Guards, escort this brat from my view. My lady, my queen, she is not of this world. She is an earthling, said Wraith. An earthling? Are you sure? Yes, said Wraith. Suddenly the whole room went deathly silent. The DJ from the turreted tower, who possessed exceptionally big ears, cut the music as soon as he heard the word earthling. The queen instantly changed her demeanour. She started looking down and up to the side everywhere but at her brunette rival. Why have they all stopped? Katie whispered to Wraith. You're the show they've been waiting for. Does she know what she's here for? What she must do for the palace and us? asked the queen. She knows she must leave, but she does not know where or why. What is your name? the queen asked. Katie, she said, still keeping up her confrontational pretentious position. Katie? My name is Cayley. Well, most call me Queen. 
We need you to venture to the land of Festivia and return with an ice ball of future fortune. Why must I? We need to find a way to keep the bureaucrats from breaking into the palace. It will show us how to defeat them. It will show the king a way to become enough to beat them. What's in it for me? You can have unlimited nectar drinks at our bar, said the queen flippantly. That's not enough. I can get that for free. You can have a free table in VIP. I'm still not impressed. Fine, you can share my husband and be queen with me. I don't want that either. You don't, said the king. It's a good deal, Katie. You can party as long as you like. Well, there will be intermissions because you will need to give him some offspring, said the queen. Um, no, that is not appealing to me. We've offered what we have. What do you want? I want to be able to go home. I want doesn't get, raged the queen. Katie hadn't been told this before. She went quiet for a few moments, and rather than wrestling with such a comment, she sidestepped instead. How do we get to Festavia? The queen, having just won a minor victory, gloated momentarily, but then realised she was not in a strong bargaining position. She needed the human to grasp the ball of potential. You must escape through the secret tunnel, and once you have escaped, you'll be right at the edge of Festavia. Okay, so where's this secret tunnel? Let's go. I'm on a meter, Katie said, with a little glint in her eye, for she was enjoying the challenge and loved that people needed her. The tunnel is guarded by the head doorman. He's been there for decades, and it's been a very long time since he has checked tickets. Tickets? Katie inquired. Yes, tickets. You need VIP tickets to enter the tunnel. You shall use the ride to travel to the exit. How many tickets have you got? The Queen went silent for a moment and said... A few. We are limited. Several have tried in the past, and now we are down to our last. Well, I need at least three, as two of my friends are coming. Who are they? Wraith and the fisherman. Me, Katie, said the fisherman. Yes, you. You are my friend now, and I want you with me. You are coming, right? Katie was quite forthright when she decided she liked someone, and she made it so they had little choice in the matter. Luckily, the fisherman enjoyed being wanted, and he just smiled and said, Well, yeah, I love an adventure. The queen interrupted the feel-good moment by saying, Well, we only have two tickets, so it's going to have to be you and Wraith. Who do I need to speak to to get the fisherman in? He's coming one way or another. The head doorman. He guards the entrance. You will have to speak to him, and he has never let anyone pass without a ticket. Katie laughed and said, well, he's never met anyone like me. I'll make light work of him, she said, growing in confidence with every word. You agree. Guard, let these three onto the stage. The guard removed the rope to the stairs, giving access to steps. The DJ instantly selected celebration by calling the gang. The crowd roared with appreciation. They're going to save us from work, shouted some. Clapping and applause sounded around the ballroom, and there was even a roar from the tiger. Katie, the fisherman and Wraith faced outwardly towards the crowd. Katie stood in front and received most of the adulation. Alec danced a bit and turned red. Wraith stood back and pondered. The Queen stood impatiently, waiting by the exit at the rear of the stage and said, Katie, please make your way with me, said the Queen in a forced, calmed voice. Why the rush? asked Katie. 
Wraith quickly intervened and positioned himself between the two leading ladies. Once more, he placed the timer in front of Katie's vision, blocking her view of the menacing all-in-white queen. Wraith said, We need to make haste. As splendid as this moment is, moments must be enjoyed, but not indulged. We must beat the time. Reality hit Katie and she nodded and took a few steps forward, only to be stopped once more by Alec. Wait, I need to get the princess's bird, he said. Katie looked pleasantly surprised and asked, Bird? Yes, it's the way I can contact her. Is that a must? Wraith shouted to Alec. Katie hadn't seen Wraith snap before. As she was not easily intimidated, she wasn't frightened or even angered by it. She just thought it was unnecessary. Let him go, said Katie. That's his princess. Don't be so mean. It's okay. We shall wait for you, Alec. Alec the fisherman bounded from the stage and into the crowd. Wraith slowly walked up to Katie's side and gave her a serious but slightly endearing look. Katie, we're on a timer. Is it really necessary that Alec, who hasn't got a ticket, must go and chase after a princess? Wraith, every man must chase his princess, even when there isn't time to do it. For if a man finds such a princess, she could one day become his queen. Wraith turned his head and sighed. You must have chased a princess once, Katie said. Wraith paused. Once, he said. Before Katie could further probe and prod this new nugget of information about her mystery friend, Alec made a loud and noisy entrance. Got it! Got it! I have it! Yep, I got it! He carried a small bluebird which was the size of a robin. He was very pleased with himself. He said, This little guy will send messages between me and her. And then he popped the little bird inside his pocket. The queen pulled back the curtain, revealing a long tunnel, and said, Come on! Let's go.